To me, uh, the sound is a very important part of the picture. It's not just a, uh, an assembly line thing where you sort of cut the picture and then you just dump the sound on later. It's a much more uh, thought out than that. It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy. And it's about people. It's about... Fine, it's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept. Uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force that sort of controls our destiny, uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence. Great pace, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang, bang, and people fall over and are dead. But, you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's, a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Hello, welcome back to Generation Skywalker and our celebration, our anniversary of Attack of the Clones month. And this time we are here to discuss the sounds of Attack of the Clones, but not the soundtrack. Yeah, this is all about the sounds. And I have got with me Mr. Daniel Burgess. Good evening, Dan. Good evening. We've got Craig Spivey. Good evening, Craig. Hello. And we've got tonight's host who's going to take us through the sounds. Jez. Good evening, Jez. Good evening, Stu. Good evening, everyone. I mean, this is all about the sounds uh, sounds of Attack of the Clones. I'm going to just hand it over to you to run with whatever you want to run with. Brilliant. Well, we'll see how it goes. We've not done anything like this before, but I'm excited for it. You know, you think about Star Wars, you think about the Star Wars stories. One of the main constants within this sort of magical series has been, it's not just a treat for the eyes, is it? It's a treat for the ears as well. George Lucas came out with this cracking line, sound is 50% of the picture. And in Skywalker sound, that's their golden rule. That's their principal rule. Sound is 50% of the picture. Now, if you think about sound as well, Stu, you've already kind of alluded to this. You know, there are different branches. There are three different branches, really. There's dialogue. And I know that people say sometimes some of the dialogue within Star Wars is flawed. And the script arrived on my dressing table. Um, and I heard that it had been delivered by George Lucas. And I thought, well, that's rather impressive because he's an up-and-coming uh, and very respect where the young director, so... And then when I opened it and found it was science fiction, I thought, oh, crumbs, you know, this is simply not for me. Uh, <laughs> and then I started reading, and it seemed to me the dialogue was pretty ropey, 
but I had to go on turning the page. And I mean, that's an essential yes. in any script. You've got to know what happens next or, uh, or what's going to be said next. And I, I went on reading and I thought, no, I'm gonna, I, I like this. Uh, if only we can get some of the dialogue altered. But there's dialogue, there's music. And we can't touch this. You know, the, the music, huge passions and a fan of John Williams. But there are some really, really good podcasts which have been dedicated to, uh, to breaking down and analysing the Star Wars music. But for me, it's the effects. It's the sound effects there, which, you know, an absolute delight to the ears. So we're not talking about music. We're not talking about dialogue. We're just talking about these effects, which adds wonder, danger, escapism, and in some cases, realism as well. Uh, I think there's a great deal in the psychological effect of a movie that comes from the soundtrack. So for me, the sound is very, very important. It's half the movie. I want each of you to write down four Star Wars sounds. And Craig, I want you to write down one from Empire Strikes Back. Dan, I want you to write one from Return of a Jedi. And Stu, one from The Phantom Menace. So all of you just come up with four, four sounds, which to you are just you know, really great Star Wars sounds, and one from another movie. Just going to give you a minute. <laughs> as soon as you've got five lads, just tell me what you got. Or as in, just say that you're ready. I'm ready. Right, Dan's ready. All right, all right, show off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all good. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got, I've got. I've all right, got. brilliant. Craig, I'm going to come to you straight away. So your four Star Wars sounds, followed by your Empire one. Let's go for it. What have you got? Okay. This is uh, this is the order I wrote them down in. Right. I don't know if that tells you anything or not. The Tie Fighter roar. <gasps> Is it Wonderful. Beats fast. The lightsaber hum. The Wookiee roar. Yes. And just a blaster. Right. Perfect. Okay. Empire Strikes Back. What have you got? The first one I wrote down was Probot. Mm, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. You know, there's going to be listeners there who've got exactly the same, exactly the same as you. So, Dan, coming to you, mate. I've got two two of mine Craig's already has already got. So I'll go, if I'm going to go in the lightsaber hum, I'll go the, with the lightsaber shutting down the, yeah. the noise it makes when it shuts down. I've got the TIE Fighter as well. Mm -hmm. um, R2-D2. Yeah. And I went with Darth Vader's breathing. 
already, you know, we're, we're smashing out some classic sounds. And what about Jedi? I've kind of gone with Vader again, but that, that breathing when he's defeated and Luke's lifting his mask off the, the straight, oh, okay. are, they, are, they, are they nuanced his breathing? I've, I've gone with that. Slightly more laboured, yeah. Okay, lovely. Well, it wasn't lovely for him, obviously. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stu, what have you got, man? Well, this is going to be quite interesting. I got the sabre igniting. Yeah, <laughs> right. So you got all three sounds there. I did have the Wookiee roar, but um, I've got the tractor beam when Obi Wan's turning it down. Yeah, that sound. I've also got the the noise Warus man makes me as his arm cut off. Brilliant. I didn't have these, but I, everything's already gone that I'd already said. <laughs> so I've got to round down. So just uh, you, going off the top of my head. I think you, that's four, isn't it? Tell us what that. Can you tell us what that sounds like, Steve? The, uh, <laughs> the Phantom Menace, I mean, that is a sound treat, but um, I think you have to go with the sounds of the pods. sound because it's amazing i wrote down a list earlier on and you know you spoke about the walkie roar chewbacca chewbacca just doesn't have one roar does he he's got a whole language you know when he's angry <laughs> you know when he's sad You know, when he's laughing. <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. You know, that, and that's just Chewie. The blasters, they've each got a different sound. You know, we've, we've spoken about the lightsaber, powering up, powering down, and in battle, Darth Vader. You know, you've just given us two different examples. I mean, what about this delicious one, neck crunching, <laughs> at the beginning of A New Hope? That horrible sound. If this is a consular ship, where is the ambassador? You know, Jowers. <laughs> Banthers, Tuscans, 3PO, you were spoken about R2. 
but not just from a communication point of view, they're servos. Everything about them moving, you know, the hydraulics. No more adventures. I'm not going that way. All various aliens. No one mentioned the Falcon. Be it the roar of the Falcon, the Falcon's Navi computer, the guns, you know, going into hyperspace, traveling into hyperspace, during hyperspace, leaving hyperspace, all these different sounds. And what do you do whilst in hyperspace? Using the training remote. <laughs> Ambient sounds. Mouse droids. X wings. And every ship has got a different targeting computer. Star Wars is just full of sounds. And can you imagine Star Wars without it? You know, I was thinking about Empire Strikes Back. We hear the tauntauns. <laughs> Ion cannon, carbon freezing. Hyperdrive failure, you know, when the Falcon just can't get it going. And, uh, and as you said, the probe droid, you know, Jedi, Solak pit. Speeder bikes. Ewok, you know, all, all these different things. The Rancor, yeah, Jabba, and the Phantom Menace. You said it's due, pod race. But then we got introduced to shields and buzz droids, you know, these, these sounds, what's expected. The ships in general in the Phantom Menace. Yeah. I mean, like the Queen's ship, that great big silver thing. I mean, the noise that makes when it's landing. They're incredible, yeah. Different level, I think, so as well when you went into the prequels. Now, it's one of those things, go back to that comment, sound 50% of the picture. And it's where credit is where credit's due. And, and it's great that, we, you know, we'll talk about Academy Awards and, and all that sort of stuff. But this is just now going to be a celebration of some of the delicious sounds which are within the Attack of the Clones. But what man is behind these sounds? You know, it's, it should be a commonly known thing from a lot of Star Wars fans. If I talk about, you know, the the father of Star Wars sounds, what name would uh, you come up with? Ben Burt. Yeah, Ben Burt. Oh, will you hush? He's a little nervous. Well, you don't have to thank anyone. The Academy's already done that. And now, for the other movie, which I think these two are particularly interested in. A special achievement award has been voted by the Board of Governors upon the recommendation of the Sound Branch Executive Committee for the creation of the alien, creature, and robot voices featured in Star Wars. 
The award goes to Mr. Benjamin Burt Jr. I'd like to specifically thank Ken Mura of USC Cinema and producer Gary Curtis for giving me a start on this film and for associate producer Jim Nelson, whose great friendship and encouraged me and encouragement, <laughs> help me out, fellas, <laughs> uh, was helped me a lot during the film. And I'd like to, of course, thank George Lucas, who had all the great ideas and provided all the inspiration for the things in Star Wars. Thank you very much. Ben Burt, he's been there from the beginning. Fourth time Academy Award winning sound designer, Indiana Jones, E.T., Wally, -E, uh, Star Wars, and even an element of Star Trek in 2009. You know, he's been there from the beginning. He's been there from George Lucas's third movie. So initially, George worked with a gentleman called Walter Murch on THX 1138 and American Graffiti. And when it came down to doing Star Wars, Walter wasn't available. So George went back to his university and said, right, I need another Walter. I need another Walter Merch. And there wasn't one. But they said, yeah, we've got this guy called Ben Burt. And that's where it began. I've always had the uh, sound signer working on the picture from the very beginning. Ben Burt created the sound for the laser sword that really affected how I approached the laser sword fight. <laughs> Ben initially thought he was going to have about two weeks worth of work when he went in there and got the initial sort of pitch of, can you come up with some sounds for me? He thought it was going to be about two weeks worth of work. Fast forward 35 years or so until 2010. <laughs> yeah, so much time has passed. So many experiences. So um, yeah, that's, that's Ben. But now over time, Ben's work has changed. We've gone from analog to digital. Film has switched over to digital. And in fact, Attack of the Clones sounds has gone from pretty much 24 track to 24 bit. Bert himself, he chalked up 540 new sounds for Attack of the Clones alone, many of which he created as com uh, complicated composites on his synthesizer and a sample cell keyboard. I mean, 540 new sounds. But hold my beer, 1507 for The Phantom Menace. As you said earlier on, Phantom Menace was just a feast and a treat for the years. You know, we have over 5,000 sounds in the Star Wars library, and uh, I've been recording things since about 1975. But Ben wasn't a one-man band. He was supplemented and supported with a fantastic team, a team which has grown, you've got ILM and Skywalker Sound, but noticeably Mr. Matthew Wood, who joined Lucasfilm in 1990. So what we have here is a fantastic partnership between a slightly younger generation, Mr. Matt Wood, who then learned his craft and someone who was already immersed in computers and digital world, who was almost, you could be seen as the protege for Ben Burt, but someone who could assist Ben now changing and moving with the times and going digitally. So the two of them were actually a perfect pairing. Really, really good. Fantasy like Star Wars uh, requires the complete uh, fabrication of a complete sound world from footsteps to exploding space stations. 
Ben's sounds, they're really unique. And he has just a great library of sound that he's worked with and great experience and great knowledge in that area of the artistic development of sound. Matthew Wood worked on episode one, setting up the whole sound design workstation that, uh, that I was to use. He was uh, my mentor and teacher to get me started as I, Rip Van Winkle, woke up in the future and sound had gone from the Moviola analog audio to the Pro Tools and being digital. I provide him raw sound effects elements. We're revving it to the next level with the film. Let's do it with sound too. Gents, one of the resources which I've used for today's session is the J.W. Rinsler book, The Sounds of Star Wars. Now this we've spoken about in a previous uh, podcast episode, a 303 page full color coffee table book with an incredibly unique edition of a sound module built in. Now this sound module houses 256 sounds from the OT, PT and Clone Wars up to 2010. So it's got a built in speaker and a three mil headphone jack. It's a cool book and it breaks down talks about these 256 sounds. 256 sounds all the way through up until when Disney pretty much bought the franchise. Now, as I've already said, 1500 sounds for the Phantom Menace. There's gonna be some sounds in this book or, or which are missing from the book, but there we go. Within the book, you have Ben Burt, and I've got a quote from him. The magic of movies always demands the creation of illusions. However, the illusions alone as powerful and as wonderful as they may be, do not come to life without sound. The joy of being a sound designer is that you can be there to attend the birth and bring those images to life. So this book, 92 sounds from A New Hope, 39 sounds from uh, Empire, 38 sounds from Jedi, special editions, three additional sounds put in. You've got 33 sounds from Phantom Menace, 18 sounds from Attack of the Clones, five from Revenge of the Sith. There's actually quite a few, 19 on, on Foley and, and some on Clone Wars. So Foley is a term which is used from a, from a sound point of view. Before we go into it too much, guys, will anyone here understand the term Foley or, or what that means? Brand new one on me. It's where they record sounds to fit over imagery. So I guess the classic view of it is those old movies where somebody walks into a room and you see them, somebody with some shoes near a microphone stomping on some gravel, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this book is absolutely delightful. So they talk about the final mix and Foley would be the last steps performed in Los Angeles. Foley, named after Jack Foley, who came up with the idea, is a process in which footsteps in different environments and a myriad of small sound effects are recorded, like people sitting into chairs, kissing, crumpling paper and so on. Thought of as incidental, these effects are an essential part of filmmaking. If you think about the clinical environment of, of green screen, blue screen and how things are made now, they won't have the sound of spurs. They won't have the sounds of chatter and this and the other. So people who specialize in Foley on a Foley stage will be doing all these small little things and kissing into their hand to add that sound effect, their kiss sound effect to an Anakin and Padme shot. The, the kiss which you're hearing 
isn't what you're seeing of the actors doing. It could be um, some lady who's working on the village stage, just kissing into her arm or to her hand. And just, this is what people are focused on. So that, that's Foley. Foley is the real subtleties of adding normal sounds to a picture which didn't have that sound recorded in the first place. There you go. Foley are the sound effects that are really too specific to be found in a library. I got the, uh, the dippity-doo and the chamois. Yeah, I'm gonna bring this over. We'll spot the scenes uh, with the Foley department and they will go through like an old radio play and perform them like with props. And uh, the Foley editors will then put that in exact sync with the picture and we'll mix it down as part of the effects track. There was some really excellent Foley sounds done by Denny Thorpe and Jana Vance for the cahoons okay, crawling across the floor. Give it a go. Thank you. If it's asteroids exploding and you know, rocket ships flying by, that wouldn't be us. We carry the reels that have a lot of people that are moving and walking and doing stuff. It just gives an added level of realism to the scene, especially if you're dealing with digital characters that have no sound whatsoever. Yeah, that's really good. That's awesome. Nice job recording too, Pat. Yeah. That one was not so good. Maybe let's make them like little, a little like parting, because there you can see that they're still together, and uh -huh. then they're going to come back together, and then we'll get a, okay. another one. But we got to make it sound, you know, passionate. Okay, we're all set. Let's let her rip. I can't rip anymore. It's not film. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> ben, you're sweating. <laughs> Is that an elbow kiss or a forearm kiss or? Gotta know what you're doing with your hands. I don't want to know. It was great. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next thing. Right. So you guys with me? We're going to go through some sounds. What attack of the clowns? Who's up for this? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Excellent. Right now, I'm going to call it. I am going to call this now. That post opening crawl. The first 100 seconds of Attack of the Clones are quite possibly the best 100 inaugural seconds of sounds since A New Hope. What I'm going to do, I'm going to play it now. I want you to listen. I want you to listen as hard as you can. Imagine yourself in a cinema with the best sound system ever or in your living room with the best sound system you've got or just telly turned up loud. And then we're going to talk about this opening in 100 seconds in comparison maybe to some of the other Star Wars movies. Senator, we're making our final approach into Coruscant. Very good, Lieutenant.
did it. I guess I was wrong. There was no danger at all. just going to stop it there just before you get the first milady of the movie i didn't quite realize how many <laughs> miladies there were after having listened to it again overnight i've just said to you that i'm calling that from a sound point of view a quite possibly the best 100 seconds inaugural 100 seconds since a new hope i want to know what you think i want to know what you think about the sounds what you heard tell me so there were some spaceships. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there was very clearly one big one that was th kind of thrumming and throbbing. Mm -hmm. And two smaller ones that um, were kind of a bit squealy and screechy. Right. Okay. Which, uh, which illustrated their mass, I guess. There was very much a feeling of the descent and yeah. distance. So when they were closer to the camera, they were louder and they... You got a real sense of the momentum of the spaceships. And then when they landed, you started to get elements of the mechanics of things like the landing gear and the the heft and the weight of the ship settling and things powering down. Yeah. And that's just the spaceships. <laughs> okay, thank you, Craig. Dan, Stu. You got the classics in there, you got R2. You got the sound of the droids being dropped from there. Yeah, from their ports, and then obviously then you've got the you know you start getting into the detail. Then there's a lot of footsteps, people walking down ramps and walking across the platform. Then obviously the uh, the explosion. I think you got a Wilhelm scream in there or something very yeah. similar to it. Yeah, you did, yeah. And that's everything I've got written down. I'm not yeah. I'm not buying it, Jez. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying it being the best hundred seconds opening of Star Wars. All right. Film. Okay. Because what we'll do is we'll get we'll go to the other movie shortly in a second. Stu, have you got anything else? Because I think actually we've got most things already covered. Yeah, I think they've pretty much covered it, haven't they? Yeah. Okay. So as you said, you know we had, we had the ship. That Royal Starship was actually a dragster truck that Matt Wood recorded, and now this was initially recorded for the pod race. Um, so this was one of their samples which they had for the Phantom Menace and it had such a deep rumbling sort of oscillating sound to it and then Ben slowed it down a bit and just said right we can use this and we can put it in and to quote an effect so powerful that with a good sound system the theatre will shake so they they wanted that real rumble sound and then what you had with that was the the lighter, the single seat aircraft, the, the starfighters going in. So you, you had the different pitches coming in there. You, we looked at hydraulics and as you said about the undercarriage, but even before the undercarriage then came down, the sound of the undercarriage panels opening. Again, hydraulics, servos, spoke by R2, the droids, not just the droids communicating, but again, droid servos, explosions, and then the secondary explosions as well. And then yeah, the footsteps, Wilhelm screen. A lot going on in a hundred seconds. You yeah, also that, had the that... fire crackling. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the, if you think about that, in a hundred seconds, as well as with dialogue and music, there was a lot going on. 
crossing all different areas of the sort of sound spectrum. Now I look at New Hope. You, you can't beat that initial feel. And each time that's been looked at again, tinkered with in 97, tinkered with in 2004, tinkered with in 2011, as they've gone back and, and been able to change stuff. But talk about, okay, Empire Strikes Back. What do we have in Empire Strikes Back? And you've got the Star Destroyer with escape pods, them crashing onto Hoth. Yeah, so you have and some protons. Yeah. So probe droids pew, 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 and then exploding. So just landing on Hoth and then not the probe droid sound, which everyone refers to all the time, but the, the sort of initial probe droid sound and then focused mainly on the music, mainly on the Williams magic, a little bit of Tauntaun work. So some key themes on, on Empire Strikes Back, but not as many, uh, not, not as fast and not as, across much of a range. So I'm just saying, from my point of view, whilst I love Empire, don't get me wrong, I'm just saying Attack of the Clones is there. Jedi actually did have quite a lot going on uh, as we came in, at the uh, the shuttle going towards the Death Star, but again, a lot on the music, a lot of emphasis on the music. This, there was the music, but it was more on the sounds. And the Phantom Menace, it was actually a bit dull, the initial bit going in there. It was, again, on some music, a bit more dialogue. This was, right, we're putting all the sounds out there. This is what you're getting. My humble opinion, Dan, you uh, you have the right to challenge and have a different opinion. We're not talking Revenge of the Sith then, because that's that's a massive opening no, there. We're is saying up until this stage. Up until this stage. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, up in, yeah you, you can't. Beat the fact that the uh, the Revenge of the Sith just yeah again took this to the next level with their music, uh, with their sort of orchestration of music, sounds, and visuals. I mean that was a you know a wonderful beginning. But we, we talked in the the commentary. I think Dan made the point that it starts off upside down and it reorients itself to sort of symbolise the fact that it's everything's getting turned upside down. And I think the sound design supports that as well. It's a real descent. It's things Brilliant. going down the pan. Yes. Oh, wow, yeah, things are going down the pan. Decoys getting killed. Brilliant, Craig. Thank you for that. What we're going to do is they're going to go through five sound effects. Five sound effects, because we've already mentioned some classic ones from the Star Wars universe, but five sound effects from the Attack of the Clones. Okay, so in a top five style. Then after that, we're going to go into five scenes where some of these sounds may have been used and some of these scenes, I think, are just really wonderfully done. So the first sound to which I'd like to go to is the creatures. Right. Help me out, fellas. What the name of these creatures in the arena? So there's an Ackley, I think it's a Nexu and a Reek. Brilliant. Yes. So Reek, yeah, Reek, the, the big guy, the, the, the big the, dude with the horns. Yeah. And as he said, yeah, the Ackley, the one, the Shriek, and then the Nexu, which is the, yeah, the one who's going after Padme. So I'm just going to refer to the book now. The climax of episode two begins with Padme, Anakin, and Obi-Wan chained to poles where they wait to be devoured by three creatures, a Reek, the Nexu, and the Ackley. Although the monster fight in the arena was originally scored, music was dropped at the last moment, which meant that Bert had to rethink the sequence. Music 
had been end-to-end in the reel, but it was thought that it wore the audience out too quickly, he says, so we dropped a couple of cues. This meant I had to rethink the sound design since now it was going to have to support the entire drama alone. Due to time constraints, most of the sounds behind the creatures are legacy animals from the library, pitched and cut and rearranged in different ways. Now I'm going to go through these three animals now and I want you to guess about the acclay as well. Right, so, the reek. Okay, we're going to go for the Nexu, uh, the Nexu cry referred to. But here we have the Acclay Shriek, which is, of the three, I love this one. Now I'm sure you can picture this one. I'm going to play that once more and I want you to tell me animals this come from. Anyone hazard a guess? Sounds like the fox is outside my window at night. <laughs> right. Fisky, frisky foxes. <laughs> so the acclay is mostly dolphin for the clicks and chirps and a rework to give it a chattering feel. And they've added some pig sounds as well. Now we do find that a lot of the sounds within Star Wars are combinations and you know things chucked together, two, two added, actually reversed, played back then reverse again. So clever the way in which they do it. It's not just, it's just like the, the Wookiee isn't just this. They're always a combination of different ones. But there we go. And in addition to the creatures, how they made those three, one important new sound for the beasts came from the Fox studio itself. When they were filming in Sydney, often the soundstage had a cyclorama blue screen around it, said Bert. And when they would break the screen down, they'd slide the big wooden hollow pallets the supporting structure on the floor. The dragon made a loud groaning sound, a Godzilla-like creak and echo. We went down at lunchtime one day and just recorded that. Much of that sound became the vocals for the arena monsters. And that's what I love about <laughs> studying these sound engineers and designers, because they're just wandering around with their recording devices, just thinking, that sounds incredible, I'm just going to record that. I'm the supervising sound editor. I provide him raw sound effects elements. The main thing when you're out recording is you're just going to look for something unique. Something you hear, you haven't heard it before, and you grab it and you can use it for, you know, anything. You know, these people go to aircraft carriers and record the catapults launching the aircraft. They go to factories and record this, you know, the sounds of the attacks, the sounds of the walkers and the machines. It's, it, they're, it's so clever the way in which they're doing this. There's one other element to the uh, to the acclay, which I want to talk about just very briefly, because this was uh, in the Foley ladies were talking about how they did this. For Obi-Wan versus the acclay in the arena, Thorpe brought in a machete and some fresh young coconuts from Thailand. I took the machete and just whacked the thing, Thorpe says. You got this great sound of a creature being stabbed and then I pull apart the halves of the coconut with my hands for the cracking sound. <laughs> so we're just going to go to this sound now. So this is someone actually whacking it with a machete, a coconut, and then the coconut being pulled apart. 
So there we go. My creatures from Attack of the Clones in my number five of sound effects for the Attack of the Clones. Reek, the Acklay, and the Necro Cry. Dolphins and pigs. So there we go. That's the creatures. And now we're going to talk about extra, extra people and characters now. There is a character who actually, when people listen to this, kind of gets a bit of a titter in the audience as well. People just think, I've not seen this person before. Who am I thinking of? What character is just completely beyond bonkers uh, the way this person communicates in Attack of the Clones? What tambor? Yes, yeah, so I was going to say. <laughs> Indeed, what tambor? actually annoys me a little bit his character i'll be like listen if you can't speak properly get out you wouldn't send to like one of the most crucial meetings in the galaxy would you <laughs> no it's you know come on mate sort your gear out uh, so what have we got during a meeting of the separatist techno union foreman Watt tambor has trouble with his voice modulator encased in a full bodysuit to protect him from the environment he fiddles with one of his dials which spins out of control and makes a noise that always gets a laugh from the audience. I made these sounds using a vowel generator in a synthesizer device called the Kymer, says Bert. In the original cut of the scene, Watt Tambor had more dialogue and the comedy came from the idea that he was having trouble with his voice generator. He wants to have a deep bass bad guy voice, but it keeps jumping up to a squeaky high-pitched comic sound. He keeps struggling with that dial as he tries to stay in character. Ben's voice is what tambor there, says Matt Wood. The Kymer is a vowel generator that can make a synthed voice that would basically go A-E-I-O-U. But you could adjust it so the voice would go A-E-I-O-U, really slurred. We called it the Sylvester Stallone filter. So that was Ben Burt going through a, a synthesizer which was just given out AIOUs and putting in his own little sound print into the movie. So there we go. That's how they did that. What tambour, bit of a weirdo, very strange, very unique. So we've got the creatures. We've got what tambour, what else is going on? Attack of clones. What other creatures? Geonosians. They're Geonosians. Indeed. Anyone in particular? Who's the head of the Geonosians? Poggle is his name? Poggle the yeah, Lesser? That's right. So, the Geonosians. Let's have a little listen at these fellas. Right then, so... Before we go on to Poggle the Lesser, Poggle the Leader, Genosians. So, thoughts on those sounds? You know, these are, you know, they're very much termites, aren't they? They're modelled on insects. Um, what are the sound? Well, I mean, to me, they're very believable. I, I'm caught in the moment. But where do these sounds originate from? Sounds like you outside that kebab shop in uh, Watford, Dan, <laughs> after a night out. I mean, this is fascinating. 
not the Dan in <laughs> the kebab and the waffle, but you know, I'm sure that we could uh, definitely have some sort of Is nature. Like, are, they like, are they like pups? Are they? just listening to it. they're like pups of a i don't know hyena or something i don't know they're quite shrill aren't they but they sound young I, I love this i recorded the mating calls of penguins as they came back from the antarctic uh, okay. to little philip island in melbourne says wood other sounds came from when i was up in the rainforest i was in a flying fox habitat area and they let me get close to two flying foxes one of them had a banana but the other one wanted it so they started fighting they were really mad. I recorded the whole thing. So for the Genosians, Ben combined mating penguins and fruit bats fighting over a banana. I love that. I think it's just worth one more play now. So you can picture these. Well, I don't know what you want to picture, whether or not you want to have a look at some fruit bats uh, fighting or mating penguins. But here we go, the Genosians. So that's the Genosians. And yes, their leader. So Poggle, Poggle the Lesser, comes up with speeches every now and then. He's got a couple of good scenes. <laughs> Most peculiar character, which is just, it's just Star Wars, isn't it? Not heard anything like that before, but just completely adds to it. And it's just part of it. It's a continuing challenge to come up with the voices that sound fresh and original, said Bert. In Clones, we had a character called Poggle, who was the talking insect king. So he had to sound like an insect, yet also sound like he was speaking words and sentences. Putting together Poggle's voice, even though it was just a few lines, took a lot of work and worry. It's much easier to do a big land battle full of machinery and explosions and weapons. Nevertheless, but exceeded expectations by relying on an old standard, Ernie Fossilus. Fossilus had directed the classic Star Wars parody, Hardware Wars, and met Bert when he first brought his short to show at Lucasfilm. Ernie's a genius and a talented mimic, says Bert. He's done many voices for me over the years. For Poggle, I had his old idea that I'd first try for Martians in a story I made up on tape back in high school. You record some dialogue and then play it backwards, Imitate what that sounds like in reverse and then record it again. Ernie was superb at imitating his own voice backwards. We both laughed ourselves into tears as we tried to produce those sounds. I then took Ernie's backwards version and reversed them yet again. The results were words and phrases spoken with a more bizarre intonation and accent than you could consciously perform in real time. I added to the final phrases a recording of Ernie blowing on the edge of a piece of paper and he also vocalised some Swahili-type vocal clicks. Adding all of these sounds together gave us Poggle's final dialogue. I really love Poggle the Lesser, but adds, a talking insect is something I've wanted to do for a long time. Poggle the Lesser. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my number three now coming in at number two coming in at number two she's a badass bounty hunter and she's got her own wheels what am i talking about that my song speeder 
Zam speeder, yeah. See, this is it, the air speeder. Now, I always thought that this was part of Williams, not Burt, because I instantly recognised this sound as a guitar. But I, I thought it's yeah, I, I thought it was actually added as as part of the whole music soundtrack. But this. The howl of Sam, Sam Speeder was produced with an old electric guitar, says Bert. I played drums in a church band, so I asked the guitarist, Dave Weaver, to make the sounds for me one day after practice. I then chopped the sound up with a synthesizer program and ran it through an old-time spring reverb system. The idea was to produce a sound as if Sam Speeder were not rocket-powered, but ran on some sort of magnetism, perhaps in a field produced by the automatic Corazon traffic control. In fact, Bert had envisaged a more esoteric design for the film's airspeeder chase, during which Anakin and Obi-Wan pursue the bounty hunter. Originally, he'd make use of even more musical instruments, electric guitars, cellos, violas, and he'd used once again his electric razor to vibrate viola, harp and bass strings. He did a temporary version of that mix using nothing but musical sounds for the speeders, he said. His thought was the music score would be percussion-based, and the sounds of the speeders would be the musical melodies. But John Williams didn't quite do that, and his heavy orchestral piece made rethinking the tonal aspects of the vehicles. In some cases, the musical tones that I made conflicted with the orchestra, which was a disappointment for me because I wasn't able to push it into a new area. My reasoning was that we've done an awful lot of the high-energy chase scenes, and I wanted this to be offbeat and strange, but it didn't really happen. So there we go. He's just trying to push the boundaries, trying to trying to reinvent things. And he said, yeah, we've done this chase. We've had this chase. We've had this chase. Let's do something different. He envisaged, envisaged doing something with a whole load of instruments, but ultimately settled for that guitar, the howling guitar. But just I, play it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you not recall that, Craig? Yeah, I think it's very reminiscent of the Vangelis soundtrack for Blade Runner. Right. Flying over the city, that sound is very reminiscent of, of that soundtrack. Brilliant. Might be nice to put those together. Yeah. You know what I mean, don't you? Where they're flying over and there's the, the like refinery <laughs> flames. Never seen Blade Runner. You're joking. <laughs> Have you joking? not? <laughs> Never seen Blade Runner. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Have you not seen the second one? No. Nope. the second Oh, my God. The, the first oh. one's better, Jez. I mean, yeah. the, oh, let's not let's not watch Star Wars in sequels <laughs> before you watch the main film. Okay. I picked up on that guitar, and I just thought it was a, a Williams thing. I didn't think for a second that that was Ben Burt just saying that that was the machinery of that end of that engine, that speeder. He's telling a story, and I love the fact. That it's not just the director saying we're doing this. It's not just Lucas saying we'll do it this way. It's it's the sound engineers saying, hey, how about this? They'll naturally then have to run it past the big boss. And there'll be some arguments you win, some you lose. 
or some ideas you win and some ideas you lose. But I just, I just love that. I love that. But I've saved it to the end. The Slave One weaponry coming in at number one. The Slave One weaponry, especially the seismic charge. During the asteroid chase, which is basically a sound effects only sequence, it was hard to come up with a sound for the seismic charge that would have dramatic contrast to every sound that had just preceded it. It didn't occur to me until we were in the final mix, struggling with this problem, that it, the best solution might be to have no sound. I reasoned that all energy was pulled into it. No sound could escape. And it was only after it had detonated that somehow the energy was released and then the sound occurred. I created what I call an audio black hole. I thought it was completely unique, the way everything just dropped dead. It was, it was sort of delayed, wasn't it? Yeah, it kind of sucks all the sound in, doesn't yeah. it? And then I think that's a guitar sound effect as well, probably still in your funder now, Jez, but I think that's a, someone strumming an electric guitar and then getting put through some sort of modulator. Mate, I wish I had some sandwiches for you to steal because <laughs> that sound is still a secret. But we'll come on to that in a minute. Okay. So, uh, yeah, from the book. Burt revisited another of his original ideas when he preceded the actual sonic boom with a moment of utter silence. Something unheard of in sound design. It's something I've wanted to do since A New Hope, he said. We never had a sequence which allowed an explosion to be featured in a way where I could exploit the idea of delayed sound in space, what I called an audio black hole. An explosion so cosmic that the energy of the sound is unable to escape at the time of ignition, but is released a moment later. The movie goes completely silent for 21 frames, less than a second. Then we delayed the sound so it's not actually in sync with the flash of the explosion on screen, kind of like lightning and thunder in real life. If you have no sound for a moment, people are startled, and then you hit them with the sound. The result is a big surprise and the volume of the explosion seems much bigger because of the contrast and the moment of silence. Gary Ridstorm was mixing for us on the stage, says Wood of the Asteroid Chase. Ben was supervising and we were all trying to come up with what these sonic charges would, should sound like because we just got the final visuals from ILM when Ben said, let's do nothing. Let's just have no sound when it ignites. And we were like, uh, we've never done that on Star Wars. But Ben insisted, no sound. I don't want any sound. I remember we were all kind of thought, uh, what are we doing? However, says Wood, in the end, Ben found an excellent balance. There's still a teeny low frequency space tone in there that kind of represents the massiveness and the rumble of space, says Wood. Everybody loved it. It's time it comes, says Bert, of the silent pause. George just said, okay, fine, next reel. But we had done something pretty radical. So quite clearly, when they were showing this, you know, their prized work to George, he was like, yeah, OK, fine, move on. Uh, there, there are more bits to talk about with regards to the uh, the seismic blast, uh, which was actually initially referred to. I don't know. Yeah, it says here. Another piece of trivia is associated with that sequence because Lucas decided late in post to change the sonic charge into seismic charge to accommodate what Bert had done with the sound effect. That line is actually stuffed into Ewan's mouth, Wood explains. 
he's actually saying Sonic. But I went back and re-recorded with Ewan McGregor saying the new line and we just looped it in. So there we go. I couldn't quite see that when I played it back myself because he does say it sort of at the size of his mouth as he's looking over his shoulder. But there we go, initially recorded as Sonic Charge, not Seismic. The book just goes into so much detail about that chase scene. But the Slave One weaponry, which we'll come on to, and the Seismic Charge for me are just so key to Attack of the Clones and really brought that ship, which we had seen take away our hero Han Solo and Empire Strikes Back, to life. And it was great to see in The Mandalorian when, again, we saw those seismic charges being used. I'm sure that everyone was so delighted when they saw that. Um, and it's one of those sounds which you just instantly recognise, or one of those silences followed by a sound that you instantly recognise. Most people don't realise all the different sound elements that make up a final soundtrack of a film. It's pretty rough right now. Like the foley and the sound effects and the ADR and the production dialogue. And that process will take about a year before we get to the mix. There we go. That was the top five. Now I'm going to come in to, uh, to the scenes. What we'll do, we're going to go through the scenes, we're going to watch the scenes and then discuss what we've heard. Anything we liked, disliked, and maybe, you know, we've already spoken about some of the scenes and some of the bits and pieces. I want to pick up subtleties, foley, bits and pieces in the background. So just particularly for this first one, um, because this one goes on for six minutes, because it's such a key part of the movie. Let's just uh, reconvene in six minutes and discuss what it is we've seen. Ready to go, boys? Let's do it. Here. You all right, my lady? I couldn't find a speeder that I really liked. There he is. With the open cockpit and the right speed capabilities. 
You spent as much time practicing your saber techniques as you do your wit. You would rival Master Yoda as a swordsman. I thought I already did. Only in your mind, my very young apprentice. <laughs> Creep is gonna end up deep fried. And personally, I'd very much like to find out who he is and who he's working for. This is a shortcut, I think. Deeply sorry, Master. That was some shortcut, Anakin. He went completely the other way. Once again, you've proved you. If you'll excuse me. I hate it when he does that.
that's where we'll stop it. So now we can all catch our breath and uh, we're back in the room. What did we hear? What was going on? What are your thoughts on that? Has anything changed or as, as a movie watcher, connoisseur is, of movies, have you thought is, of anything? Is Sam Wessel's blaster the same sound as a TIE fighter? Because it really sounds like a TIE fighter blaster gun or whatever you call it on the ship. It's very yeah. familiar. Yeah. It's not, according to this. It's a, okay. um, it is a rifle. Well, I mean a, a handgun, means. not not the rifle she shoots. Ah, that one. one with. Her blaster. Yeah, there. the handgun. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it was a distinctive blaster from to other blaster sounds, wasn't it? But... Okay, so you saw similarities out with the tie. I found it a very different experience watching it and listening to the sounds rather than getting distracted by the dodgy dialogue and yes. CGI. Different yeah. experience, given that we've just watched it on the uh, on the commentary. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Craig. Now look, you know, learning a little bit more as someone who you know buys the cinema ticket, we go and have these experiences. I've got the Disney Plus, but appreciating a little bit more that. There's so much more to sounds of Star Wars than just Chewbacca, R2 and Darth Vader. You know, all, all these little things which have been added. I mean, I've just, when I, when I watched this earlier on, what did I see? I had the, the, the drone earlier on, the sort of assassin drone and the sounds which that came with. Binocular sounds, the sniper rifle and the scope with that sniper rifle. Um, the traffic, just general hustle and bustle and traffic and the fact that you saw all these different vehicles which had a different sound. You know, some of them struggling, some of them not. Blasters, uh, the lightning, when he, he shot the, the power thing, and then you saw the sort of, there was like a sound of thunder and a, and a lightning, lightsaber sounds, flames, even flapping clothing, is, you know, descending down that. onto a speeder. Sorry? I was going to say, that sounded like someone was recording a, fa- a flag blowing in the wind. Now, when you <laughs> listen to it yeah. in that way, and there was another one, Oh, what, what, oh, the lightsaber when he lets go of it and it's like looping through the air. There's a, yeah, I can't, I don't know what that sound is, but yeah. There's, a, yeah, a spinning sound to that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. All these things there, which they've added because they've needed to add them because they're trying to add an element of, of realism. You know, I said at the beginning that some of the, some of the elements which we've got from a sounds point of view to give us escapism but some from a Foley point of view are added for the realism uh, and my point with this is there were distinct sounds when Anakin was getting back in the speeder when Obi-Wan Kenobi was getting back in the speeder they were like footstep sounds as, as they were getting back into the speeder all these little sound effects which were being added you know the air speeder the pitch change when they went in the tunnel you know, as they went into the tunnel, the sound, and as Craig said earlier on, depended on how close the camera was, depended on how loud things were. We're always on the alert for new sounds, and it's a 1942 gas air raid alert sign. It's, it's disgusting. We collected a bunch of mechanical sirens, and that one was a real star. We took it and recorded it down in the parking garage, so it really would echo. Now, we use this for the speeder's dive in the speeder chase. 
I love mechanical sounds, you know, things that are especially old devices, things that aren't, you just can't find them anywhere. So just six minutes of just in your face sound changes is phenomenal. But it's, I think it, it's there to help people understand what's going on, isn't it? It's the, I mean, it's such a visually busy sequence that those sounds do a real job in helping you understand point A to point B. Yeah. Otherwise, it could be quite... Even things like that probably don't need a sound, like the focusing of the macro binoculars. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd be silent, wouldn't they? It's electronics. But yes. it just it, it just helps you kind of go, all right, he's trying to focus, trying to target, and it's just that sound helps that tell that little bit of the story. Yeah. Yeah, great. I completely agree with you, Craig. Absolutely. And the same with the music. So John Williams is also trying to do that. And it must be the union, the collaboration between someone who's put together that musical score and then working with the sound editor, the sound engineers, sound designer. Because as you saw earlier on, you know, Bert thought, oh, John Williams is going to do this, so I'll do that. John didn't do that in the end, so then Bert had to change. They, the way in which they work together, they have to dovetail nicely. And in this case, I think it worked really well. There, there was music throughout that. And we're going to come across another scene later on where the music actually drops back to allow the star of the show on this occasion to be the sound effects. But this was, yeah, a great collaboration between music and sound effects. I have to give an honourable mention to the scene just before this with the assassin droids and the millipedes, or I'm sure that on Wikipedia there's a, a correct term for those millipedes, you know, the assassin millipedes. Uh, because the R2 sounds coupled with the creepy, almost moist sound of the deadly millipedes very nearly made my list. And add into that sort of rapid use of the lightsaber with Anakin, and that's a real treat. So that whole sort of section with that, it, it was just brilliant. Loved it. It was a great scene. Besides, you're generalizing. The Chancellor doesn't appear to be corrupt. Palpatine is a politician. I have observed that he is very clever in following the passions and prejudices of the senators. I think he's a good man. My... I sense it too. I'll give you another bit of trivia about the, that robot that fires the millipedes into the room. Oh, the sound of it, the sound of it cutting through the glass and the servos it uses was out of Jabba the Hutt's, I don't know if it was an eye or the arms, one of the servo motors in the Jabba the Hutt puppet. That's what that, where they got that sound effect from. Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks for that, Dan. That's right. It's so clever, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. clever.
loved being a Star Wars fan. Star Wars is amazing. <laughs> Just coming up with this sort of stuff. All right. You ready for the next scene? Let's do it. Right. This scene. You wouldn't have guessed that I'm going to give this to you now. Right. This, in my opinion, is a lovely 100 second demo of Foley and the subtleties of sound. The, the subtleties of adding to a world to allow us to believe it. In an otherwise world which you think, mm, I'm not really sure about this. I just think this is brilliant. I know Craig, I think Craig likes this scene. Someone to see you, honey! Jedi by the looks of him. Obi-Wan! Hello, Dex. Take a seat, I'll be right with you. Oh, yes, thank you. Hey, oh, buddy. <laughs> so, my friend, what can I do for you? You can tell me what this is. Well, what do you know? I ain't seen one of these since I was prospecting on Subterrell, beyond the Outer Rim. Can you tell me where it came from? Thank you. This baby belongs to them cloners. What you got here is a Camino Saber dart. I wonder why it didn't show up in the analysis archives. It's these funny little cuts on the side that give it away. Those analysis droids only focus on symbols. <laughs> I should think that you Jedi would have more respect for the difference between knowledge and... <laughs> ...wisdom. Well, if droids could think, there'd be none of us here, would there? Camino, I'm not familiar with it. Is it in the Republic? No, no, it's beyond the Outer Rim. I say about, uh, 12 parsecs outside the Rishi Maze. Should be easy to find, even for those droids in your archives. <laughs> These, are. Uh, Camino ones keep to themselves. They're cloners. Damn good ones, too. Cloners? Are they friendly? Oh, it depends. Depends on what, Dex? On how good your manners are. How big your pocketbook is. <laughs> so, there we go. The Dexter Jester scene, uh, in my opinion, as I said, it's a lovely 100-second demo in Foley and subtleties of sound. What did you hear? Got some background traffic. Yeah. So the patrons chattering in the background. Yeah. The droid waitress, her servos and her wheels spinning. Yeah. Little points with the darts on the table. You sort of hear it clicking as it sort of hits the yeah, surface. Yeah. The best bit is he's squeezed into the booth. Brilliant. <laughs> Straight away, yeah. I, I just didn't need to happen, but they obviously looked at this and thought, no, yeah, we'll do that. And you could just imagine the Foley ladies just there. <laughs> and I say ladies because I've read the book. There's two of them. I just, you know, trying to do that and getting that sound and thinking this works. So, yeah. The, the squeezing onto that chair, I thought was brilliant. As you said, they're taking the dart off and on the table. There was lots of clinking of cutlery mm -hmm. all the way through that. I knew without looking at it that I was in a diner or something like that. You, you said the traffic, uh, be it the 
the vehicular traffic, but also the hustle and bustle of um, the customers. Uh, footsteps, and there were some backslaps as well. So when they met, there was just some subtleties of, of the backslaps. And also uh, when Dexter takes a drink uh, with just as the dog starts walking as well, as well as the sound of the dog, there is the sound of someone swigging. And I just thought for a hundred seconds, that just shows that it's sound effects on all about blasters, seismic charges, etc. And um, yeah, just want to share that one. Any final thoughts on that before we move on to the next? Well, I bet you didn't see that one coming, did you? Right, so my next one. I'll be honest with you, when you paused it on Padme, I thought we were going to see a pack in a suitcase. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, wait to hear a chewing the pear. Yeah. <laughs> I might like Foley, but yeah, not necessarily that much. Right, so here we go. So the Obi-Wan and Django fight. That's what we're going for now. go the obi-wan and Django fight yeah i paused it they're still fighting there's still more to do but at that stage what had we seen what had we heard lots of rain yeah lots of splashing yeah. um you've got boba fett firing his rocket off his back you've got his blasters that tow cable he's using is that what you call it a tow cable i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> when you say that yeah but the sound that it makes when he pulls it against the pillar and it's kind of that metal scraping against yeah. each other, you can feel that. Yeah, it's good. And again, there was so much, you know, different to what we had earlier on with the Dexter one. But yeah, the, the environmentals, I'll call it in this mm. case. So you've got the rain, the thunder, the lightning, the waves. Yeah, we've got doors. Just doors opening and closing, that's fine. Django's blasters, Django Fett's blasters. You know, they're brilliant again unique sound he's got those two lightsaber sounds always favorite but the rocket pack bringing that in actually seeing the rocket firing you know we'd seen it before on, on Boba Fett but not the rocket like that slave one powering up 
So, you know, just initially the cockpit instruments, the power of the engines, and then the guns, more button pressing, fight in itself, just, you know, flesh on flesh, hitting each other, <laughs> knocking seven bells out of each other. And yeah, the cable shoots, all sorts of stuff going on in just a really, really small snippet. I just thought that was brilliant. Brilliant. There's some nice bits where the point of view shifts to Boba in the cockpit. You can just hear the the engine running. Yeah. Just pulsing in the background. Yeah. Again, great use of music there, but it, a really good, exciting scene, which, again, without those sounds, just it just wouldn't have been the same. So Obi-Wan and Django, you know, they're at it again. It's, uh, <laughs> as you know, you've seen it, they make the escape and Obi-Wan puts a tracking device on him and follows him. So we're now going to fast forward just a few minutes to the Obi-Wan and Django chase. Dad, I think we've been tracked. You must have put a homing device on our hull. Hang on, son, we'll move into the asteroid field. And we'll have a couple of surprises for you. <laughs> Seismic charges. Stand by. Seeing him again. 
one absolutely brilliant chase. I mean, that was the time, wasn't it? Slave one, oh my goodness. My friends had that, you know, when we were a kid. You knew that that was the spaceship which Boba Fett had. And then to see it in action, to hear it in action, lads, enough of me. What do you think of that scene? You uh, get to understand why it's called a fire spray. That rapid, those rapid lasers just spitting fire. Yeah. The speed, the frequency, I wrote in my notes, is insane. Uh, Yeah, it's just... Yeah, we, we know, I think, up until that point, fastest blasters had probably been the Millennium Falcon, I would say. This baby's got a few surprises left in her sweetheart. That was next level, wasn't it? Next level. When um, Obi-Wan's in the cockpit and he's getting fired on like that, the, the sound of it hitting his ship, it, it reminds me, I can't put my finger on it, it's something out like an old Warner Brothers cartoon, like a, a Bugs Bunny or a Roadrunner or something like that. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's, there's something in the mix there. Really? I can't put my finger on it, yeah. Okay. We'll come on to sounds in space in a minute. Anything else? What else do you guys get? You've got the seismic charge, haven't you? Yeah, you yeah. can't you can't even like you've got the rocks all being cut up and smashed when it's when the impact's hitting them. I mean that had to influence uh, and be, you know, the, the driving force behind Last Jedi. The uh, what was it, the Hondo maneuver? Or the Hondo oh, right. man- yeah. And then just the going with the visuals, yeah, incredible. Yeah, we had the standard ship sounds, beeps, R5, you know, droids, tracking missiles, explosions, blasters. I've said about the speed, the frequency, about the weapon system. Uh, engine signatures, again, different sounds to the engines, uh, just compartments opening. What I loved was the seismic charge deploying device, <laughs> which I've patented the name on i've got no idea what they call it but the little device which drops the seismic charge just hearing the servos of those move you know, the attention to detail the love the craftsmanship here is first rate really really is i, I loved it there's a nice bit where slave one goes through the asteroid and it gets echoey yeah mm. it's in the tunnel it's great isn't it mm. really really good and what did Mr. Williams do? Nothing until the rockets get fired. Yeah. Yeah. Please, if you don't mind, I'll just read from the book. Another chase in episode two occurs when Obi-Wan pursues another bounty hunter, Jango Fett, who manages to turn the tables on the Jedi, unleashing a series of deadly weapons from his starfighter. 
I expanded the library of sound for Slave 1 in clones because the ship did a lot of new things, Bert says. I used the sounds from Empire as a foundation and made new sounds that would connect with the old. The asteroid chase and the speeder chase were the only two areas where the sound was given a moment, Wood says. There was still music in there, but it was subtle. Fett blasts a number of heat-seeking missiles at Obi-Wan, which he only just manages to avoid. Ben's really good at giving things life, Wood adds. When those missiles pass by on screen, he makes them seem like they're alive by using telemetry. I always like those little nuances. The detonation of another of Django's bombs enabled Bert to reach into his past. This is to do with the uh, seismic charge. He actually tried making a sound like that on the very first Star Wars movie, Bert said. I had the idea that explosions in space should sound different from explosions that we normally hear on Earth. I made up a series of very odd sounding ones that I called space ether explosions. I used them as experiments, especially for exploding TIE fighters in the scene when Han and Luke are in the gun turrets. They were edited into a scratch mix for the sequence, but George didn't like them. So again, you know, reusing old ideas and his initial idea from 1977 was finally realised in 2002. I love it. So there we go. What a cracking, cracking chase. The last, the last scene, the battleground. There's no way I could do an Attack of the Clones sounds of without looking at some clones attacking, without looking at the battlefield. Now I'm going to cheat a little bit because I'm actually going to play you, a, I would say, a couple. Three different mini segments from this rather prolonged battle, but three distinct areas which I want to look at. So we're just going to play these. 90 seconds each, 30 seconds there, thereabouts. So not long, but just enjoy and uh, say what you see, say what you hear afterwards. Just stopped it before C3PO opens his mouth and ruins it. Um, Die, Jedi dogs. It's just a line. <laughs> oh, it kills me. It really kills me. So there we go. The first of the battleground sounds. Tell me, Stu, Craig, Dan, well, what did you hear? A cluster of sounds, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, well, so the next things you'd expect lightsabers, blasters, explosions, sort of people. Thumping around, footsteps, bit foley work. You hear the reek come in, so you hear his noises and you hear his thundering uh, uh, charge. There's a bit of a, a bit of a comedy gun 
swizzle <laughs> when yeah. cowboys his gun back into the holster and yeah a little sort of skittering uh, you know lightscape lightsabers skittering along the floor as they're being called back by the force all those little things like that and i think some geonosian kind of noises as well and some their wings skittering around and stuff like that sure craig is yes it's like you've got some sort of secret camera in my office and you've read my notes. You know, <laughs> you, you've pretty much got it all there, buddy. You know, the, the battle sounds, yeah, you said all, all the obvious ones, which you'd expect. There was some splatter. There was some, when I say splatter, the sounds of munitions hitting the sand, hitting right. the ground, some ground splatter. Again, just the subtleties of that, which I thought were brilliant. The creature stampeding, yeah, you said. A couple of ricochets thrown in there. The jetpack operating, the jetpack then malfunctioning. And and you saw, the, the or you heard the sounds of it sort of misfiring in conjunction with the sounds of, you know, some sparking and arcing coming from the back of it to tell that story that Django can't immediately get out of there because his jetpack is, is knackered from the uh, damage which was given by the reek. So really, really good. And then, you know, the creature death, the helmet drop. And then just right at the end, we had um, the sort of repulsor weapon, which I call it. So 90 seconds. That's an incredible amount of sounds. But the way in which it was done, the way in which it was put together, it, whilst there was a lot going on, it didn't seem busy. It didn't seem cluttered. I got to see and hear everything and enjoy it. And to do that, that takes talent my point of view i just it, it's an incredible scene really really is what i want to do now is go on <laughs> this is silly now this is just showing them maybe the generation which i came in but if you think about dance music raves or wherever in some of the best biggest dance tunes you always have to have that bit of calm in the middle <laughs> for everyone to sort of catch their breath and just before they go again. And we had this. We had the silence of the battle, the calm before the second storm, as I call it. And I think what this does, this just allows for some really nice subtleties to come in. So hopefully you'll get this now. I'm going to play just another little element. Uh, hopefully now. Master Windle, you have fought gallantly. Worthy of recognition in the archives of the Jedi Order. Now, it is finished. Surrender, and your lives will be spared. We will not be hostages to be bartered, Dooku. Then, I'm sorry, old friend. Thanks, Yoda. So, um, go on. 
I'm glad you picked this sequence to highlight. I, th- I think after the seismic charges, it's probably the second most memorable bit of sound design. And I think it's it's that contrast between the, the noise of the battle and that silence, and he's suddenly in that echoey yeah. arena. So you've got all the stuff going on that we, we've talked about, but I think it's those, it's the super battle droids just not powering down, but sort of just standing back and they kind of rest on their back hips and there's all the clanking of their their arms and their and their weapons just settling on settling on them and i think yeah. without that without that sound they're just a bunch of pixels aren't they but they feel like they've got some weight they feel dangerous you wouldn't want to be in that situation and it is so much down to that that moment that sound but also the contrast the way it just drops away and it's suddenly silent yeah that's exactly why exactly why i chose it it's it's one of those things also where it allows these fantastic actors to act because what you get then is the rich voice of Christopher Lee with his rolling words, his pronunciation, his enunciation. It's like a palate cleanse waiting for the next battle, isn't it? And just in the background, you've got the subtle sabre hums, some ambient yeah. sounds of genosis, some breathing from Obi-Wan as he catches his breath, some wings flapping from the Genosians, and then the ships. And then the ships come back, you know, the Republic gunship. I, I just think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's that moment in a dance track where you get just to calm, but it's it's brilliant and it really totally capitalizes on getting Christopher Lee on your books to play Count Dooku. It's brilliant. Yeah. I still um, think ships I still think they notice the ships a bit too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, fair enough. They were so taken in the moment that they didn't see any shadows or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. And the stealth ships. However, they, they weren't stealthy, were they? Because the sound of those Republic gunships is brilliant. Now, I've got a little fact on the, on the gunships, the Republic gunships, which you heard at the end there. So one day, Wood travelled to Nosfield, Novato, which is a short drive from Skywalker Ranch, to record different sounds of a Vickers Vimy, an authentic World War I craft and the world's largest biplane. There are some gorgeous photographs of this uh, biplane. It had these Rolls-Royce engines, says Wood. I went up and recorded the interior, flybys, and as it flew over the ag- agricultural lands, all of that became the main elements of the gunship. So an authentic World War aircraft one of the world's, well, the world's largest biplane with its Rolls-Royce engines make up the sounds of those aircraft. Now, just for the benefits of the tape, <laughs> let's have a little play of my book. It's amazing. Now I'm playing that. And I know that that's a Rolls-Royce engine, completely different engine to the Rolls-Royce Spitfire, the Merlin engine in the Spitfire. But it did make me think, oh, yeah, I can now I can now picture that, put those back together. One of the sounds we gathered was uh, the Vickers Vimy biplane, which Matt went out and recorded. The sound of that airplane uh, ended up being used for the sound of the gunships that are in the Clone War at the end of the film. 
some of the sound of that uh, biplane was I pitched it up and made it higher pitched sound out of it for the Geonosian fighters. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant scene. So it's just one final scene which I want to share now, the last 30 seconds I've chosen, um, which I think is a great way to end this off. stop it there with the absolute chaos and fog of war the clones attacking the droids in the attack of the clones 30 seconds of battle all sorts of stuff going on the spherical star destroyer being downed the sound the, the heavy bass as that drops the resonance there the splatter the, the secondary effects, like the, the first pulse come in and then the secondary, you know, the, those things which are coming out and then with the absolute onslaught of the clones, it's just up and down the ebb and flow of sounds throughout this battle. It just, it's, <laughs> it's first rate. It really, really is. Gents? What? What struck me watching that was the, the the sense of scale that the explosions give you. So when the first explosion hits the big spherical droid ship, it, it's not in the hands of people who didn't know what they were doing. It would be a big explosion, but it's slightly muffled. It's slightly in the distance. And what that does is it gives it gives the crash somewhere to go. <laughs> so, so when it hits the ground, it's 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 louder and grander. And, and again, the sound comes at you from a distance gets it increases yeah. as, as the dust reaches the camera yeah that's a great observation yeah. so there we go wanted to put together just a series of some sound effects which were unique to attack the clones we hadn't seen before we hadn't heard before but were familiar to us and then show us some different scenes which show that sounds in star wars is so much more than what we initially think as I said, Vader, Chewie, sound of a lightsaber, sound of a blaster, the amazing sound of a speeder bike. All of those sounds, you know, we are and we have in these movies. But these scenes showing the, the thought process, the love, the attention to detail, be it from the most colossal, amazing effects to the silence, the use of music and the holding back from music. And then just the, the reliance on Foley, just to give us the sense of realism in an otherwise world wage thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying that. You know, Attack of the Clones, I started this month and it definitely wasn't up there for me. In fact, it was definitely at the lower end of my Wars appreciation. But just having a really good look and a deep dive, the more I've looked at this movie this month, and in particular with the sounds and the... And the, and the daring 
and just the ingenuity with some of their sounds, the sound design. Do you know what this film to me is just it is rising in its um in its stock. I think that this is a wonderfully put together movie from a sound point of view. I think uh, Ben Burt and Matt Wood and all of the team at ILM and Skywalker Sound have absolutely knocked this out of the park. I think I agree with you, Jez. It's um it's really interesting to look at it through this lens or listen to it through this lens. You know, we picked apart the art the concepts some of the design looking at the sound it's it, it does give you a richer appreciation and i know we i think we mention it in passing on the commentary yeah it sounds good here aren't they but to, to do this exercise to go through it and, and really focus has been really really good i've really enjoyed it thank you for putting it together jess brilliant well, thank you for indulging me no it's been my <laughs> pleasure you know and maybe if this yeah if this in our in our tied up if this does come out all right then maybe we will uh, get together to talk about other aspects of of sounds of star wars maybe the ot as well as the pt and maybe even the sequels so who knows it's been great for me i've loved doing this it's a real treat and and i would encourage anyone that if there's anyone who wants to look any deeper at this further listening or further watching on Disney Plus, there are seven episodes called Stoll's Galaxy of Sounds, and they're about seven to eight minutes. Wonder, excitement, dark side, light side, beeps, connections, and oddities. There's no narrative. There's no commentary. It's scenes you'll be familiar with, but the music's stripped out. And it's just a homage and a sort of tip of the hat to the wonderful people at Skywalker Sound who have made these sounds. And then finally, there's a commentary simply called Films Are Not Released, They Escape, which is a 25-minute commentary focuses on Ben Burt and, and the magicians behind the sound. The end result of a motion picture is a great combination of picture and sound working together to most effectively and dramatically tell the story. Yeah, that was perfect. It really, I got a really interesting sound out of there, and we're definitely, I, it's going to end up in the film, I bet. Cool. So there we go. Thank you ever so much. It's uh, It's been great. It's been really enjoyable being with you and, and uh, going through this. So Stu, I think I'm going to hand back to you, mate, to uh, round off the show in the way you normally do. Uh, Jez, brilliantly executed. It's been fascinating to sit back and watch tonight. Yeah, really well done, mate. Really enjoyed it. Of course, we are in the middle of our Attack of the Clones month. You can go and check out everything else we've been doing go over to our social media instagram twitter and facebook by searching generation skywalker it's very attack of the clones heavy at the moment uh, go over to also on facebook we are generation skywalker facebook page where we've got lots of discussion going on about attack of the clones check out our youtube channel where a well not this one but a lot of our shows for this month and normally our other shows are all being enhanced and you can head over to our website, www.generationskywalker.com, where you can find links to everything, including blogs, our shows. Everything we produce is on that site. Uh, boys, I'm sure it's only going to be a matter of days before we're delving into Attack of the Clones again. But um, it is for the sounds of Attack of the Clones. It is good night from Dan. See you next time. Good night from Craig. Cheerio.
and it is good night from Jez. Thanks very much. See you next time. And it's good night from me, and we at Generation Skywalker. <laughs>